There's very little better than waking up in the morning to a truly fantastic cup of coffee. And if you're like me, you're looking for something that tastes fresh and isn't weak or overproduced. That's why I've switched to Four Sigmatic and I won't go back. Four Sigmatic mixes their beans with mushrooms to give your brain that jumpstart you didn't know you needed. So go to the link in my show notes or on my podcast page and use the code CHOOSEYOURSTRUGGLE at checkout for 10% off. You can sign up for one of their awesome subscriptions or just try buying a bag. And with their 100% money back guarantee, there's no downside. So check them out today and don't forget the code CHOOSEYOURSTRUGGLE. I'm going to just go ahead and invite uh, Jay Schiffman up to share his story. So let's give it up for Jay. Welcome to the Choose Your Struggle podcast. I am your host, Jay Schiffman. Hello and welcome to the Choose Your Struggle podcast. We're at episode 44, chugging along. I'm feeling very thankful this week with Thanksgiving coming up next Thursday. Uh, There will be an episode next week, but it will drop the day after, so I wanted to talk a little bit about what I'm thankful for today. This week, I got some pretty exciting news. Thanks to all of you, all of the incredible listeners of this show, the Choose Your Struggle podcast broke Apple's top 200 list in our category for the first time, which is pretty incredible. Pretty thankful for that. It means that y'all are listening. You're leaving likes. That's not how you say that. You are liking the show. (laughs) Uh, You're reviewing it. You're doing all the things that you need to be doing. So I'm super thankful for that. For a show that I started sort of as a way to to still get the word out and, and speak to people during COVID, to see it break the top 200 list is pretty cool. So thank you all so much for that. Thank you for everyone who has filled out the survey and left a review. Uh, Obviously, that matters to me. And you've got two more weeks to do that before I'll draw the second winner for this season. So uh, that person is going to get a tank top. Again, you can find all this in the show notes on my podcast website, jshiffman.com, J-A-Y-S-H-I-F-M-A-N.com, and go to the podcast page. Uh, fill out the survey, f- leave reviews, and you will be entered to win a tank top. It's a random drawing. It will happen right before the last episode of the season, uh, two weeks from now. Thank you to everyone who has bought tank tops. I sent out another shipment before uh, this episode goes out. That's pretty cool. I-, I definitely didn't order enough in all of the sizes, and, you know, that's a good problem to have. So thank you to everybody for buying that. Thank you for everyone who shares the podcast. Uh, Right before I sat down to record this, I got uh, tagged in a Facebook post of somebody who shared it to say I found this. So that's cool. And and I really appreciate that. Those are really nice surprises when when, uh, people do that. So thank you very much. I'm thankful for that. Thank you to everyone who reaches out and tells me what they like, what they don't like. I, I appreciate all of that whether it's social media or on the website, and also people who, who listen or who find the show and go, wow, I want you to come on my show, speak to my group, whatever the case is. That happens a lot. Um, I'm on pace to be interviewed or speak or, or whatever the case is uh, over 75 times this year. To help put that into perspective, my goal was three. And, and not because I thought I would only have that happen three times, but I, I, I didn't want to set this lofty goal and then force it, essentially, is, is, is the right way to put that. I didn't want to be motivated by, all right, I'm going to go speak to this group that I think is despicable or whatever the case is because I want to hit some goal that really only matters to myself. So three was that goal, and I'm going to cross 75. So thank you. Thank you to all of you. It really means a lot. Now. This week's episode is a little unique. Early in the season, I did a show where instead of having a shout-out in a long-form interview, there were two roughly equal-length interviews. I liked it. It's more work for me because, you know, I interview both of those people like it's a full interview and I have to cut it down. That's what this week is. The first interview is with a young woman that I've known most of my life. Uh, Her name is Kia Dixon. She's currently a law student 
at Georgetown, in, and she is uh, incredibly insightful. She's been one of the most, I think, knowledgeable people I've ever known in my life, and uh, I've really appreciated our friendship over 20 years, um, more than 20 years, and, and I really appreciated her, everything she had to say on here. She sort of um, put me in my place a little bit, which was needed, and, and you hear it, and we have a laugh about it, because she is... She doesn't shy away from it, and that's one of the things I love about Kia is she speaks her mind, and she will say what needs to be said, and she's a good person and a, and a great friend. The second interview today is with Paris Prinkevich, who some of y'all may know. She hosts the Crooked Illness podcast, and I was on her podcast earlier this season. I put it out as a special episode, so again, you may recognize that name or, or her voice. She's doing really cool things around mental health. She does some modeling, and, and we talk about how she uses that to promote her mental health and, and the backlash she sometimes get from it, and, and it's a really interesting conversation. Uh, so thank you to Paris. Thank you to Kia. Both of them will shout out, obviously, where to check them out, and, and it's in the show notes. I hope you check the show notes every week because it's packed full of good information, including sponsors and uh, ways to support the podcast and, and support the people who come on the podcast. So check out the show notes. One minor heads up is the editing is a little clunky this week. You know, like I said, this is a little extra work, and it's because combined, I chatted with Kia for about an hour in Paris for about 45 minutes. Of course, what you're hearing is uh, roughly half that, you know, so it, to make it fit and to, to make it all to cover the topics that I wanted to cover. Obviously, that meant uh, some editing, and uh, it is a little clunky, but you, you get the, the, the most important points from both of them. Uh, without further ado, let's go into this week's episode. So it looks like we're going to be hanging out inside for at least a little while longer, and with the colder months coming up fast, there's never been a more perfect time to stock up on all your comfy clothes. Lucky for you, you listen to the Choose Your Struggle podcast, and I have a sweet deal for you today. Check out my sponsor, Pair of Thieves. They've got everything you need, from shorts to lounge pants to underwear and bras. They even have a line of Disney socks with all your favorite characters on it. But here's the best part. If you use the link in the show notes or on my podcast website, and the discount code Rakuten Thieves, don't worry, that's in the show notes too. You'll get 20% off every full price item in your shopping cart. So stock up on all your comfy clothes today and help out the podcast in the process. So happy to be here with Jay. We've known each other since middle school. So it's, it's great to be here and to talk about my journey. I'm currently in law school, so that's fun during a global pandemic. I don't know if you saw it on Instagram, but I posted the picture of me from eighth grade the other day with the blonde Did hair you? and the, yeah. the Backstreet Boys necklace. And yeah, I was like, man, the late 90s were, were a crazy time. I have so many photos of me with like double polos on, my <laughs> double popped collar. It's a mess. Yep. <laughs> Yo, man. So all of this is great. Well, what kind of prompted me to start thinking about a subject and write things down was kind of the overall topic of preserving your peace. Um, so tips that I have used and picked up along the way to help preserve my peace and protect all of the personal development that I have worked so hard on over the past couple of years. And I think it's especially important to do that um, in 2020 where literally everything that could have gone wrong probably has gone wrong. And, you know, we're still waiting for the grand finale. There's still time. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, just a couple of things that I practice and that work for me to help preserve my peace and have carried me through such a, a tumultuous year in particular. So I definitely want to hear those. And I want your opinion sort of as we get into a great way to go into that. You come from a family of really incredibly intelligent, high achieving people. 
Correct. Um, so both of my parents are professionals. My, my mom um, is a medical doctor, something that is crazy um, and that not a lot of people can say is that all four of my grandparents graduated from college and especially for the time period and for African-Americans in the South, that's pretty rare. Um, so I do come from a long line of professionals and to use the term again, high achievers. So education has really always been instilled as something that you've got to pursue and higher education if that's the path that you're on. But I mean, I had no choice but to go to college. It wasn't an option. <laughs> and so what kind of instilled that drive in me to achieve is definitely my parents. I know this is a saying in a lot of communities of color, but we have been taught that we've got to work twice as hard to go half as far. And you just got to put your nose down and grind and unfortunately outwork everyone around you just to get a little bit of recognition. So that, that was instilled in us um, very early on and definitely has pushed me to, to achieve. Do you think, cause, cause that is something obviously that uh, unfortunately a lot of us had to learn later. Like we weren't, as, as, as again, Greatest Seven Hills is, is parts of their education, they weren't exactly progressive in teaching some of these ideas. Was yeah. that something that you encountered that like you and, and some of the other, you know, people of color at Seven Hills were working harder and then guys like me just didn't even see it that, that we were goofing off. And I, I mean, I got terrible grades, you know, Spark was the lowest GPA in our class. I think I was third to lowest. So it wasn't oh, like no. I was, it wasn't I like I was that. thriving, you know, <laughs> but um, I was also really not working that hard. You know, is that a thing that you think that we didn't appreciate is that people like you and I mean, I don't yeah. think we appreciated that for y'all when we were trying to, to goof off and get you guys to come out and party with us. And you were like, no, I'm working. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, no, you didn't appreciate it. <laughs> but um, I think what's even worse is that a lot of the faculty didn't appreciate it. So I won't call out my college counselor, but I told her I wanted to go to Vanderbilt. Like That's where I want to go. That's where I've got my heart set. Like, what do I have to do? She point blank told me, you can't get in. You need to look at some other schools and directed me to some some other um, some other schools I did not want to go to, and you know, luckily for me, I'm a little bit stubborn. So <laughs> she said I can't get in. Well, you know, watch me. <laughs> so I applied early decision, got into Vanderbilt, and couldn't wait to shove that <laughs> acceptance paper in her face. Um, but I say all that to say there was no reason why she shouldn't have encouraged me to go after such a great school. I had an excellent GPA. I was in all of the activities. I was that model student, you know? And I had shown that I could be in um, a challenging academic environment. And for some reason, that school was just not a fit for me in her mind. So, you know, it, it's kind of the culture of the school, I guess. So it wasn't just the students, it was, it was kind of everywhere. You and I ran cross country together. Mm -hmm. uh, and one of my favorite memories is I, again, did not take it that seriously. I was kind of like, I always did it to get ready for baseball, but the coach would always try to get me to run because I just was not naturally good at it, but I was good at cross country. And there was one day you and I were running at practice and we were, I was chatting with you about something because again, I didn't take this fucking seriously. And finally <laughs> you're like, Jay, shut up. <laughs> 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 like you were like focused like working on running and I was just jogging next to you chatting about whatever and you were like go the fuck away like stop it <laughs> I don't remember that but I'm 100% sure that happened <laughs> oh gosh I just had a terrible flashback <laughs> <laughs> so 
All right, so you were this model student, but now later in life, we haven't talked about your actual list of things. You're finding and preserving your piece. So what does that look like for you? Well, just a little bit of background to how I actually found my piece. So um, like a lot of people, I did not seek any sort of professional, mental health professional help until I was kind of at a crisis point. So eventually I was like, I need, I need to do something more because what I'm doing is just not working for me. So the first time I went to therapy, I believe was in college. I don't really remember anything bad about it, but I don't remember anything good about it. So, you know, fast forward a couple of years, I'm in my mid twenties, which yikes, the twenties. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just such a, a period of transition and self-discovery along with everything else you know, you're trying to navigate through as an, in, in early adulthood. Um, so I, I, I sought a therapist again in my mid twenties and I really wanted to work on me. Um, you know, I was not in a great relationship. I wasn't really happy at work. I wasn't moving in the direction that I thought and envisioned my life going in. So I've been working with my therapist who I love for years now and have put in such hard work to develop into somebody that I'm not only proud of, but who's functioning on such a different level. And part of preserving all of the hard work that I put into creating myself is preserving the piece that I have worked so hard to get. And so part of that is I am somebody who sets boundaries. I think that's one of the most important things that you can do to, to preserve the space that you've made for yourself. And boundaries aren't just people, um, it's work. It's, you know, it's anything with work especially because everybody's working from home right now. It's just so easy to, to not turn off. Um, so work for sure. And people is not just friends. It can be family, exes, <laughs> you know, anybody who is not respecting the space that you need. So would you say that that, that is, you know, sort of to, to put in one word, um, that, that you are a firm believer in intentionality. Absolutely. And that goes hand in hand with setting boundaries because you've got to stand firm mm -hmm. in the lines that you set because people will test you, people will cross you, people will do as much as you let them do, right? So that's one of the hardest things about boundaries. My, my friends make fun of me because I'm the queen of blocking people, but it's not, it's not petty. It's not on any sort of get back. It's because I, people will cross your boundaries and there's no reason to keep explaining to somebody the line that you've drawn in the sand. At a certain point, you just need to remove yourself from that situation. I, uh, I love that. I literally this morning tweeted uh, unfollowing people on Instagram who are posting massless pictures at large group gatherings is my new self-care extra points if it's a wedding. You know, yes, some of these people are, are actually close friends, like literally one of Lauren's and my best couple friends is at a wedding right now this weekend. Yeah. And, and a giant wedding indoors, no mass. And I just went, I, I, I can still find a way to like this person. But right now seeing this is making me upset and making me yeah. angry with them. And so sort of as self-preservation, I'm going to unfollow this person. And, right. uh, you know, it, it's, it's a little, there's a little bit of sadness in it, but also I, I I'm doing that for me. Like I'm not doing it for, for anyone else. Exactly. And you know, part of that intentionality is you can't, you can't worry about somebody else's feelings. Like if ever there's a time to be selfish, it's when you're trying to protect your peace. You can't think about how somebody else might feel. 
So let's let's define that piece for someone who may be listening and is like getting what you're saying, but isn't quite understanding that I guess the destination would be the best way to put it. So for you, what does that piece look like? Peace is for me when I am just calm is not the right word because my friends will tell you I'm very high strung, <laughs> um, but mentally calm, if that makes any sense. There's so many other things, work, school, et cetera, that can cause an anxiety, I guess you could say, but that's in a, in a different bucket from being mentally calm and mentally still. And, and another part of peace for me is just being comfortable with myself and with the with the, the person that I am. And if anybody, you know, comes into that that space and tries to disrupt who I am, what I believe in, what I stand for, that's that's not it's not peaceful, you know. Well another prong that I practice of preserving peace is practicing gratitude. Um, nice. And, you know, positive thinking and positive affirmations, while they're definitely not a cure-all, I think they really do help set your frame of mind um, and give you sort of an, an attitude adjustment. Um, and I find that the more I practice gratitude, the, the more that I really am grateful for and I'm able to kind of take myself out of the, the microcosm of my world and realize that, you know, I'm all things considered, I'm very blessed. And um, that doesn't take away from any issues that I might be going through or a difficult time that I'm having, but just practicing gratitude and being so thankful for the things that you do have and that you are given um, goes just a long way for, for preserving that peace for me. All right, you knocked this out of the park. I, I, I am very impressed. Um, <laughs> so I always finish, I'm gonna go ahead and finish with what I would finish the um, full interview with because we've gone for the, almost the full interview time anyways. Uh, number one, it's, you've already discussed this a little bit with your, with Grace and all that kind of stuff, but what are your self-care habits otherwise that you would recommend to people? And then number two, you know, we have learned during this entire time why you are doing really awesome work yourself and why people should find you and follow you. And I'm going to have you shout out all that stuff at the end, but who are people that are influential on you that we should all go read, listen, watch, whatever the case is. Well, my self-care habits, um, definitely exercise. That is a huge one for me. I just feel better when I, when I have a good exercise routine going on. I will say that the COVID-15 has crept up on me. So I am in the process of getting back to uh, where I was pre-COVID. Um, but besides just me feeling like I look good, I actually do feel good. And, you know, that kind of having that exercise routine um, is, is a huge part of my self-care. And uh, one other self-care habit that I like to practice is I have such an amazing group of friends turned family in DC. Um, and we kind of check in with each other throughout the week, but every, it's been harder with COVID. Um, but we do try to get together in a safe way uh, as much as we can just to be around positive energy and lift each other up and vent about the week or whatever we need to do. Um, and I just always feel so much lighter and better after seeing my friends um, and, and being around them. Can you tell I miss them? I haven't seen them in a while. <laughs> um, but yes, surrounding myself with people who lift me up is definitely a part of my, my self-care journey. Wonderfully put. <laughs> and uh, so you can find me. I'm not super active on Instagram, 
the whole law, law school, got to get a job, which I have my job now. So I guess I can like relax a little bit. Um, I might make myself public. Well, other than, than you then, because yours is, you, you don't do it that much. Who else is, is um, you know, what, what kind of uh, stuff do you like watching, listening that you think is influential and people should go pay attention to? Well, I'm hugely into podcasts because I like to listen to them kind of in the morning when I, I'm getting myself prepared for the day and also when I go for walks um, during the day. And so my podcasts are kind of divided into two camps. One is legal news, so we'll put that to the side. <laughs> um, but my other camp is a lot of um, self-help and um, positive podcasts. Actually, I'm going to revise that. It's kind of three camps. So that's the second camp. And the third is um, just contemporary issues, politics, um, what's going on in society, et cetera, et cetera. So putting all of my amazing legal podcasts to the side, um, one of my favorite podcasts that we talked about is Therapy for Black Girls. Um, and I would recommend it to not just women of color. I think it's really interesting for other people to listen to it as well, because you might gain some perspective that you might not have had before. Um, and I, I second that, by the way, I think I've learned so I've learned more in terms of perspective and, and uh, deepening of, of my understanding of the mental health scene from Therapy for Black Girls than I have, I think, from any of the other ones I listen to. Yeah, Therapy for Black Girls is awesome. So I also listen to, of course, Choose Your Struggle. Oh, well, thank you. Women at Work is a great one. It's by the Harvard Business Review. Business Review. Um, a good friend of mine put me onto this. So it's just um, stories about women facing gender discrimination throughout their careers and kind of the things that they've um, done and practiced not to, to overcome it because unfortunately there's still gender discrimination in the workplace, um, but to be able to function and thrive and survive in these spaces. Um, this Women at Work is great. And I do love an Oprah super soul conversation. I just got to put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kia, I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. This was excellent. It's going to be very difficult to cut this down. Thank you so much. It, it, it really was fun. Huge shout out to my podcast sponsor, Mountain Made CBD. Mountain Made is changing the CBD game by offering a line of high-dose CBD tablets at an affordable price. Their products are THC-free and third-party tested for accuracy, cleanliness, and potency. Their products, which now ship nationwide, include Build for CBD saturation, Boost for precision titration, and Recover for rest and rehab. With nine years' experience in hemp and fitness, Mountain Maid's founders are focused on creating a quality CBD product to help those with activated lifestyles. Check out www.mountainmade.life to find out more about how their product can help you crush your life. And you know I'm all about that. Remember, their products ship nationwide. So go check out the website today and follow them on social media at Mountain Made. And also listen to episode seven with Mountain Made founder, Mike Passion. All right, back to the episode. So I did an episode recently. It's called The Origin of Crooked Illness. The reason I wanted to do this episode is because I would get questions from people, you know, saying, oh, where did you get, get the name Crooked Illness? Where did that come from? What does that mean to you? So I decided, you know what? Why not just make an episode and address that so everyone can get the answer? And the, what Crooked Illness means to me is it stems primarily from two different perspectives. And the first perspective I want to get into is when I was 19 years old, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder inside of a mental hospital 
hospital where I was struggling really, really badly during that time in my life. The other perspective shifts over to when I got done with college, I took my first job fresh out of school at the very same clinic that I was once a patient at. So it's kind of two different views, the patient view and then the employee view, if you want to call it that. So I kind of, I've seen things from both different ends dealing with mental illness from being inside the hospital trying to, you know, work on myself, just understand what's going on. And then going back out there and working with people who were struggling, who were needing help, who were needing someone to connect to, to talk about these things. So I really wanted to address that to, to let people know this is, this is what my experience was. And this is really where the passion comes from. And my interest so much in these topics and talking about these topics is because of those two perspectives and really molding those together and creating crooked illness as a sort of a platform and a space for people to share their experiences and their insights. So is that where the name crooked illness itself, is it, you know, what's, what's this sort of etymology literally mm -hmm. behind that name? To me, I, I see things crooked on both of the perspectives I had. So when I was gotcha. inside the hospital, kind of things that I saw there, you know, just related to the stigma of mental health and people, it kind of, kind of seemed to me to be a bit of a revolving door is people would go out, come back in, go out, come back in, not really get better, not really understand what's going on with them. So I kind of sat there and I was like, this doesn't really seem right. It doesn't seem helpful. It doesn't seem productive. It doesn't seem, it seems crooked to me. Well put. So let's use that then to get into that story because you and I have a lot of similarities how did you get to the point where you were diagnosed with bipolar disorder? Yeah, so um, it actually starts when I was 16. That's when I was, I was actually misdiagnosed. So I was diagnosed with depression. But during that time, I, I just always felt like something else was going on. I remember, you know, going to my psychiatrist and then I had a therapist and I would bring it up. I'd say, hey, you know, I feel like there's something more going on with me. Like I have all this energy. I'm out here running around, working two jobs, going to school, making it all happen. And just, it, I mean, all the symptoms you look up, you, you, I mean, anyone just go online, Google. And I feel like you can do this with anything and come up with, oh my God, I think I have a brain tumor or whatever, because it says I have all these things. But I really was, I started paying attention to it. So it was kind of like, I'm like sitting there, like, what do I have to do to make to, to like make people see that I really do, you know, need help. I need, I'm trying to get it. I want to get it, but no one, everyone's kind of like, no, you're good. You know, you're, do, you're good. Just keep doing what you're doing. It's good. And I'm like, I'm like, this isn't good. This isn't working. I, I, this is not how it's, how I'm supposed to be. This isn't normal. This isn't, I don't feel good. I'm not happy. I'm just a mess. So, so basically all that stuff happened and you know, I was on various different medications for depression, no, nothing helped, nothing worked. And, you know, I remember the last appointment that I had with my psychiatrist. And again, he was like, you know, you're good. You're, you know, you're working, you're doing, you're, you're doing your two jobs. You're, you know, what's really, and it almost felt like I, I could pretty much say anything like ridiculous and outlandish. And it was like, I didn't think I was ever going to get out of that. Cause I'm like, no one believes it. You know, no one thinks I have a problem or anything. And I feel like that's so common with, with so many different things when it comes to mental illness and mental health is you could have somebody who's like, Hey, like this is happening to me. And people are like, no. So you, so you think that a lot of it was that you, 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 I mean, obviously your friends weren't seeing it because this mm -hmm. was you know, a lot of with mental health. It's, you know, what's going on inside is not always being, produce on the outside. And, and is that what was going on in your therapist's mind too, is that he was just a little oblivious? I think, I think that's, I think honestly, thinking back to then, to that time, I feel like I really, at different points in my life, I kind of just started to give up and not really take it seriously. Like I remember I would go to my appointments and just, it was, it kind of started to just become like a session of where I would go in and just like, I'm sitting there talking to my friend about, what I watched on Netflix. And it wasn't really like productive because I felt like when I would go in and, and say, Hey, and part of that is, you know, trying to form a good relationship with whoever you're going to for mm -hmm. therapy. I think that was part, like obviously my downfall as well as I really kind of started not to care anymore. And I feel like once you kind of get to that point, you're just kind of stuck. You're just, you're just kind of there. And you know, what do you, how do you move forward? How do you 
how do you do anything productive to, to kind of have that address? Because you kind of have tried and you feel like you've done, you've taken the steps, you've gone to the appointments, you're taking the medication, you're listening to your parents, you're listening to, you know, whoever is giving you advice. And, and I feel like that's kind of makes me sad when I hear people tell me that of that they experience that as well. Cause it seems like almost everyone goes through that in the beginning of when you're trying to address different things that are going on. Cause I mean, it's, and, and mental health is such a hard thing to pinpoint. Mm-hmm. Yes or no question, right? Did you get a second opinion? So basically what happened was I had a psychiatrist who I saw, and then I also had a therapist. And then I went in, I was hospitalized. And when I was hospitalized, I was court ordered for a year. And that's when I got treatment and I was diagnosed bipolar. Hold and up. Then I did. <laughs> There's a lot in there. Hang There's on. a lot. So, okay. Right. So, so first you didn't get a second opinion, right? Your therapist just said you had depression and that was yes. it. Okay. Yeah. Then you go to the hospital. So mm-hmm. yeah. when you say you were court ordered for a year, you literally mean a year you were ordered by the court to stay in a hospital. I No, not in the hospital. So I was in the hospital for two weeks okay. and then I, then I was released, but I was court ordered to, to receive services from a clinic. So gotcha. see the, see a psychiatrist, do all that. So what, what uh, necessitated the hospitalization? So for me, I, I was the one who put myself there. That's, that's how it happened. So I remember it was actually right before Christmas in 2014, I believe. So maybe like the 20, maybe the 19th of December, something like that. And I was there for two weeks. Um, and basically I remember just, uh, it's, it's crazy to talk about it because I don't know how I was, how I got to that state. I was, I think, hundred percent in psychosis. Like I was, I was wandering. I remember going to the shopping mall near my house with my friend. And I just, I, I would get in like altercations with people. Like if someone would look at me, I would just get so upset, so angry. And I remember, you know, I just started calling the police and honestly, like, like this is kind of like, sounds really stupid as I wasn't aware, like people usually know this, but I didn't know that there was a non-emergency line for police. So I just kept calling over and over like nine times that day. Um, earlier in the day. And I remember like pol- calling, calling the police and, and just, I, and I can't even tell you what I said. Cause I don't remember, I don't know. And it's actually scary to like sit here right now and try to like go through this with you. When I don't, I don't know what I was saying. I don't know what I was doing. I just know it was it. That, like, clearly if you saw that person, you would say something's going on. They need help. Like right so you're now. in a rough spot and you a part of you knew you needed help. Mm-hmm. And that's why you kept calling 911. I think that's because I remember I that was at, I had my appointment, my last appointment with my doctor earlier that day. And I remember I left and kind of the same thing, you know, you're fine. And I just kind of felt like I was at this point where, you know, no one believes me. And some like I just I'm like, I can't I can't keep doing this. I need to put myself I need to like get to a place where I'm going to be put somewhere right. to get so you help. call. You call 911. You, they finally mm-hmm. come. So the, so actually they didn't, I just, it was really weird. I remember they, they told me they came at later that night to my parents' house after I came home from my friend's parents had this Christmas hall, like Christmas party. And I was there and I remember I just, I freaked out there and left and came back to my parents' house. And I remember my dad, you know, was telling me, he's like, he had a list of papers of other, other doctors I could go see. And I don't know why I, I got so I don't know what it's honestly like the feelings that I had at the time. I don't, I can't put them into words because I don't really remember why I was that way, but I took the paper, ripped it. I remember went into the bathroom again, called the police. Then they came Hmm. and they were like, you've this number you've called nine times today. And I remember they remember they took me into the car and they took me to this place. It's an, it's an urgent psychiatric center, basically where they place you before they transfer you to hospital. And I remember, honestly, it was the most horrifying place that I've ever been to. The It was the scariest experience, honestly, that I've ever been through, but I needed to be there to have some kind of an answer to what was happening with me, like what was going on with me. And then once I got that, you know, I, I was on medication, still I'm, still I'm on medication and finished school and all of that. But I just felt like, you know, for the longest time, nobody really thought it was real. Um, so I felt like I had to put myself there or else like, I don't know where I would have been anywhere else. Well, before we get into then what you did with all that, give a shout out to where the listeners can find you, your podcast, all the good stuff. 
Yeah. So you guys can find me um, anywhere you get your podcast. So you can check it out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. It's also on Anchor. Um, all you have to do is search Crooked Illness and it comes right up and you can listen to all the episodes. And I always love hearing feedback, whatever you think. You know, if you there's a topic you want me to talk about, you can always reach me at crookedillness at gmail.com or on Instagram at crookedillness. So before we sort of pivot to talking specifically about the podcast, because you, it's a great podcast. Um, Thank you. It, you're welcome. And I say that again <laughs> as a former guest who enjoyed the, the experience. Yes. Is it tough? You deal with things that are very difficult and you are very vulnerable when it comes to your mental health, but you're also, you know, a woman on social media and you embrace that. Like I said, you use your modeling picks to help advertise your podcast, which is brilliant. But I am sure that there are people who take advantage of that and there are people who don't give the respect to the topic and to you, the presenter, that they should. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's it's actually funny you say that because I recently um, I had someone message me on Instagram and it's it goes to the section like some hidden section where I don't know I went through that and I remember it was a pic an older picture of me that I did when I was modeling and this guy so he I didn't respond to this but so he took he like sent me the photo and was like. Cause I did an episode talking, I didn't dedicate the episode to, to talking about how I was raped, but I mentioned it in, in, in different episodes. So he basically was like, you know, you, here's a picture of you like this, like dress like this, you deserve to be raped. Like you deserve that to happen to you because here you are doing this. And I remember I like, I read that and I used to get what I, I used to get all kinds of weird messages from people and like all kinds of weird comments. And I remember I used to get so upset and like heated and I want to respond and like, but I just, I saw that and I just didn't, didn't do anything. You know, I just, I, I was upset, you know, a little bit, but I moved on at the end of the day. Like there are people who like it and there are people who are being helped by the messages and are really enjoying it. So that's what really keeps me going is, you know, when I hear people say, Hey, you know, I never knew that this happened to you or one of my guests, you know, like hearing your story and saying like, I, I really took something away from that. Yeah. And, and, and that's such a great, point and and kind of where I was going with that question because your podcast is definitely a needed one and you're dealing with issues that we need to talk about and can get very vulnerable you know speaking to people who may be interested in being more vulnerable online and 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 obviously we're headed in a direction where that's going to be life like especially during lockdown but going forward you know a lot of our work even more so it's going to be specifically online and there's some corrosive behavior there now obviously we would all love for not just men but you know 90% of his men to not be assholes online uh, that's a whole nother topic speaking mm-hmm. directly to people who may want to be more vulnerable online, but are scared or, or, um, you know, are already get shitty messages and, and are, are, you know, don't like the way that makes them feel, mm-hmm. you know, you have sort of, you do that, you embrace it and you have a great F you to those people, you know, what's your message to those who, who, who may be hesitant and, but, but want to. Yeah. So what I would tell them is, you know, it's okay if you don't want to do that because the, the, what I did is I, I used to be so afraid of that, of actually being vulnerable and opening up. And I used to kind of, I remember I had this phase of like, and I see, I feel like we see it com- more common in like y- a lot of younger people of like, oh, I don't have feelings or like, I don't care. Like all the memes of like, oh, like I'm catching flights, not feelings. Like I don't have emotions. And I went through that whole thing. And I feel like it's actually way more powerful and it make it's way more brave to talk about crazy shit that happened to you. And how did you overcome that? Because you never know who's going to come across that and see that and say, wow, like I can relate to that. I'm going through this and look, this person did it. And this is what they did. So my message for those people would be, you know, think about who would be hurt if you didn't be vulnerable in that way. Like who, who would you be hurting by not putting that out there? And if you're really passionate about something and you want to do it, then do it. And you know, if people don't respond a certain way or you don't get the response that you wanted, then, you know, just, just keep working on it. Keep putting the energy and the effort into it and doing it. Because if you have a vision and you have a message behind it, then 
that's great. And honestly, it's almost therapeutic as well. Like to put, to just say like, th- like you're really living authentically who you are instead of like, cause I felt for the longest time, like I was hiding because I I just would avoid it so much, like to where it really kind of controlled my life. Like you're that afraid to like talk about it. It was like crippling. So, you know, when you do that and you put that out there, it's, it's refreshing. You feel relieved. You feel like you're letting people connect with you and see that you're actually a real person. Because I feel like sometimes, you know, more often than not on social media, we always put up like our best faces and the best things that are going on. And no one really wants to, you know, see a picture of a girl crying in tears, like on the internet. No, we want to see you like naked or like in a bathing suit showing your ass, like, you know, and it's, but it's like real stuff. It's real shit. So, you know, if you want to do it, then do it and go for it. How, I mean, do, and how do you see our, from your perspective as someone who, you know, also does this, do you see that we're making progress? Like is progress being made in helping break down stigma? Yeah, I, d- I definitely think it is. And I know that the, our episode, you know, when you came on and we talked about that, because I feel like that's such a big, that's probably one of the biggest reasons people don't want to have these conversations is the stigma and not, and I feel like we're making it more normal. And by putting it out there and saying like, here's a topic on anxiety, depression, like what, whatever you want to talk, whatever you want to talk about related to that and putting that out there, making an episode and having someone you know, come on your show and tell their story and, and put that out there. And, you know, I think it is, and I honestly feel like things are getting more, at least I feel that way, that more people are feeling more comfortable talking about them. Cause if, if you asked me six years ago, I didn't really see this as a thing that people would talk about, you know, and it's, it's so crazy to think that, and, you know, only, you know, maybe five, five or something years, you know, more people are getting more comfortable doing that. And I feel like it's, you know, the more that we do this and that's really the whole mission, right. Is to, is to work towards ending that stigma. So more people are comfortable talking about it, because if you're not going to talk about it, then you're just going to sit there with it. And if you're just going to sit there with it, then one day you don't know if it's going to blow up and it it probably will more likely will than not. And you don't know who you're going to hurt in the process of that, you know, not getting help because you were too ashamed to seek out help. Having these podcasts gives it a place to, for people to to get into that without shame and send that message to others that you don't have to be afraid either to, to have these conversations. All right. Well, Paris, thank you for, for being here. This was wonderful. Yes. Thank you so much for having me on. I loved it. And I loved recording with you and (laughs) doing this and, you know, talking about, you know, ending the stigma and all these different things that we got into. And it's always a good time. Always a good time. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast and then thought, man, I just, I don't even know where to begin. Well, I have the perfect answer for you. It's Anchor. They have all the tools you need to get started right away, all in one spot. You can do it from your phone or your computer. They'll even distribute for you, so you don't have to go looking for places to get your podcast out. But the best part is it's all free. That's right. You can sign up today without any hassle at all. You can even start making money right from the beginning. It's everything you need in a podcast in one place. So check it out today. Go to anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app to get started. All right, we've come to the end of another episode. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Choose Your Struggle podcast. I hope you enjoyed both Kia and Paris. Both bring such interesting perspectives to this topic and have vastly different experiences in life and as it comes to their mental health. So uh, I really appreciate both of them for sharing uh, and, and both their vulnerability and their honesty that they brought to the, this interview. It, it, it means a lot. So we're going to go ahead now with the card this week brought to you by Blurt as always. Thank you, Blurt. We're using the Nuggets of Kindness pack in honor of Thanksgiving. We all We all deserve a little bit of kindness, whether you're Figuring out a way to do Thanksgiving safely, which is something that my wife and I have been wrestling with, or canceling it, which is obviously the safer thing to do. We all deserve a little bit of kindness this week. So 
Here is your card. Accept everything about yourself. I mean everything. You are you, and that is the beginning and the end. No apologies, no regrets. And that was said by Clark Moustakis. Thank you, Clark. Uh, that is important, and, and, and that is incredibly important right now. I was chatting with next week's guest. Uh, you'll find out who that is coming soon. Unless, of course, you want to find out early, then jump on the Patreon. You always find out a couple days early. And we were talking about how during COVID, everything is a little bit harder. And the most important thing you can do is just to accept who you are and fix the things you can, improve the things that you want to improve, and recognize things that you, that you can't. And so that's incredibly important, and I really appreciate this card. Thank you, Blurt. Your good egg this week is to check out a new collective or, or a project that I found that I really enjoy. I'm going to read you a little, a little blurb and see what you think about this. After digging through your brain and reevaluating your life, you might eventually stumble upon an answer. However, when you find that answer, ask yourself, am I actively pursuing and dedicating time towards my passion? That question is what sparked the creation of the Passion Project. They're focused on creating a community around those questions. Their purpose is to provide a platform for ordinary people to share their extraordinary stories. And you know, that's important to me. So, I love the Passion Project. They've got a podcast that's, that's coming out, which is great. They have a cool Instagram. Check them out at The Passion Project on Instagram. Or check out their website, thepassion-project.com. Uh, they're doing really cool work. I've connected with a guy named Ben, who is one of the founders. And uh, I just really appreciate all that they are doing. So go check them out, thepassionproject.com. That'll be in the show notes and on Instagram at The Passion Project. And uh, let them know that I sent you and, and that you really appreciate what they're doing. But as always, most importantly, especially at the, <laughs> especially around whatever your Thanksgiving looks like, if it's Zoom, boy, this is going to be tough, but you, you can do this and it's the safe way to do it. Be vulnerable, be empathetic with the people you're connecting with, spread your love and choose your struggle. Y'all know that I love CBD, and almost since day one of this podcast, I've been lucky enough to be sponsored by Mountain Made. And while my wife and I swear by their full-spectrum CBD chewables, sometimes at the end of the day, I need just a little bit more to help me relax. So when my wife is joining me, I pull out a Mountain Made puff, and those are awesome. But when it's just me, I, they're just a little bit more than what I'm looking for. So what do I do? I throw a couple of hits from Boston Empire into my bowl, and it's the perfect way to end the day. Boston Empire has the finest loose leaf CBD flower and some pretty cool edibles too. So when I add it to everything I'm using from Mountain May, it is the perfect compliment. If you check out Boston Empire using the link in my show notes or my podcast website, you will be helping out the podcast as well as getting some of the finest CBD flower on the market. So check it out today.